He sent forth his word and healed them and delivered them from their destruction. Psalm 107 verse 20. The message you're about to hear is a straightforward, down-to-earth and insightful teaching by Lady Reverend Adelaide Heward Mills. Lady Reverend Adelaide serves under her husband, Bishop Dag Heward Mills, as a pastor at the Lighthouse Chapel International. Lady Reverend Adelaide is a handmaiden of God and is privileged to have been used by God to pastor and to speak the Word of God, both nationally and internationally, to all ages and gender. She has a plethora of messages on many issues, experiences, and situations of life from God's perspective. Get ready to be transformed as you listen to this message by God's anointed handmaiden, Lady Reverend Adelaide Heward Mills. Blessed by God as you tune in to Lady Reverend Adelaide Heward Mills. Esteemed listeners, may I take this opportunity on the last day of Honey on My Lips for 2016 to thank you so much for your listenership and your loyalty to this program. I don't take it for granted. I know that you could be doing other things other than listening to a vessel of clay like me. I'm humbled by what God has done. I'm humbled by the many testimonies I get to hear. I'm humbled by the things I get to read. I'm humbled by the encouragement and the way you strengthen my arms concerning honey on my lips. And um, I meet many of you from different walks of life including our brothers. And some of you just come up to me and say, Lady Reverend, never stop preaching. Keep on preaching. That alone is enough for somebody who is running a race. When you are cheered on, when you are giving water during break time or half time, it all energizes you. And your words of encouragement and your exhortations have been like water to a thirsty soul. Thank you for strengthening my hands and encouraging me. And I pray that God will, through this medium, enrich your lives and draw you closer to him. I also want to say that looking back on 2016, it has been a difficult year for many. I myself have had my share of challenges. There were moments when things I didn't expect hit me. There were moments when we didn't know what next. But I say to the glory of God that I am amazed at how his grace and his mercy has kept us and how his grace and his mercy has brought us this far. We experienced some losses in terms of loved ones even this year. But through it all, I am encouraged that they have gone to a better place. And not only that, that God has a plan for our lives. So I want to encourage you, if 2016 has brought a share of woes to you, I want you to know that you are not alone. The Bible says in 1 Peter 5, 8, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, not your friend, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour, whom resist, Steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. But the God of all grace, who hath called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that you have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. Sometimes when you are going through something and you feel it's only you, it makes it more difficult. But when you know that your brethren everywhere, be it marriage, be it finances, be it health, be it fears, are going through the same thing, it encourages you. And the Bible says you and I should resist the devil and he will flee from us. Many believers just sit and let things happen to us. In 2017, may the Lord give us grace to resist the devil. May he give us grace to endure 
May he give us grace not only to endure but to overcome. May he give us grace not only to overcome but to prevail. And all these things are possible. Because the Bible says in 1 John 4, 4, Greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. Romans chapter 8, verse 37. The greater one is in us. The greater one will see us through. The greater one will put us over. That means that the things we go through are great. The challenges may have been great. The heartaches may have been great. The betrayals may have been great. But thank God there's a greater one whose name is Jesus. And he is the one who will put you over. Sometimes I counsel, I counsel people and they say, But Sister Mary, everything is finished. Everything is at an end. There's no hope. Everything is destroyed. And I say that is when we are good candidates for God's miraculous hand. For he has promised to give us beauty in the place of ashes. The only part that you and I have to play is to lift up our ashes and entrust it to him. Without us giving him our ashes, he cannot give us beauty. In 2017, may the Lord restore every good thing that we have lost. The Bible says he restores our souls. Why would he need to restore our souls if we haven't lost something? It's only when something is lost that restoration comes. May the Lord who is a restorer of our souls restore. The Bible says about Naomi that he has become a restorer and a nourisher of your life. Beloved, that is my prayer for you. Let us hold on to God's word even when we can't see his hand. Let us hold on to God's word even when it doesn't make sense. Let us hold on to his promises even when we don't know what is next. Because the just shall live by faith. And beloved, our greater one will turn our mourning into dancing. I pray for 2017. I pray that you will be delivered from evil as you enter it. And I pray that the mercy of God, which causes us not to be consumed, will be your portion. Thank you for being spiritually connected to me. And come, let us walk into 2017 with the captain of our hosts, with the captain and the bishop of our souls looking after us. God bless you and a better new year by all standards. I love you, I cherish you, and I appreciate you. Thank you. Pray that you will lead your... You are listening to Honey on My Lips with Lady Reverend Adelaide Edward Mills. Stay tuned in. Welcome back. Your people into all truth. I pray that you will help me. Lord, if you can use anything, use this vessel tonight. Speak to the various lives represented here and the lives even to be affected by this message. Let something tangible happen in the lives of your people. Let the brokenhearted be healed. Let captives be set free. Let the, let the poor receive the gospel. Let the blind receive recovery of sight. Do a work in the lives of your people. Lord, I haven't died for your people, but you have. I pray that, Lord, not my will, but yours be done. Have your way in the lives of your people. Thank you for help, Holy Spirit. Thank you that you pour your anointing and cause it to overflow through me to your people. Thank you for answered prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. You know, I wanted to talk about something else, but I think that I'll just obey what I believe the Holy Spirit wants me to talk about. So I want to speak about the restored woman. The restored woman. Hallelujah. Come with me to Ruth chapter 1. Ruth chapter 1. Now it came about in the days when the judges governed that there was a famine in the land and a certain man of Bethlehem in Judah went to sojourn in the land of Moab with his wife and his two sons. And the name of the man was Elimelech and the name of his wife Naomi. And the names of his two sons were Malon and Chilion, Ephrathites of Bethlehem in Judah. Now they entered the land of Moab and remained there. Then Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died. And she was left with her two sons. And they took for themselves Moabite women as wives. The name of the one was Opa and the name of the other Ruth. And they lived there about ten years. 
Then both Marlon and Chilion also died, and the woman was bereft of her two children and her husband. And she arose with her daughters-in-law that she might return from the land of Moab, for she had heard in the land of Moab that the Lord had visited his people in giving them food. So she departed from the place where she was, and her two daughters-in-law with her, and they went on the way to return to the land of Judah. And Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go, return each of you to her mother's house. May the Lord deal kindly with you as you have dealt with the dead and with me. May the Lord grant that you may find rest each in the house of her husband. Then she kissed them and they lifted up their voices and wept. Verse 11. But Naomi said, Return, my daughters, why should you go with me? Have I yet sons in my womb that they may be your husbands? Return, my daughters, go, for I am too old to have a husband. If I said I have hope, if I should even have a husband tonight and also bear sons, would you therefore wait until they were grown? Would you therefore refrain from marrying? No, my daughters, for it is harder for me than for you, for the hand of the Lord has gone against me. Amen. Amen. Verse 19. So they both went until they came to Bethlehem. And it came about when they had come to Bethlehem that all the city was stirred because of them. And the woman said, not the men, is this Naomi? And she said to them, do not call me Naomi, call me Mara. For the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. I went out full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. Why do you call me Naomi, since the Lord has witnessed against me? And the Almighty has afflicted me. So Naomi returned with her, Ruth the Moabite, her daughter-in-law, who returned from the land of Moab. And they came to Bethlehem at the beginning of barley harvest. Amen. Amen. Now I want you to come with me to Joel chapter 2. We'll be fellowshipping in Ruth, but Joel is a minor prophet. Get it to the end of the Old Testament. Okay. You'll find him there. Just before Amos and after Hosea. Then I'll make up to you for the years that the swarming locust has eaten. The creeping locust, the stripping locust, and the gnawing locust. My great army, which I sent among you. You shall have plenty to eat and be satisfied. And praise the name of the Lord your God, who has dealt wondrously with you. Then my people will never be put to shame. Thus you will know that I am in the midst of Israel. And that I am the Lord your God, and there is no other. And my people will never be put to shame. Amen. Amen. Now I said that I wanted to talk about the restored woman. And when we look in the Bible, there are many examples of restoration. You know, it was a law under the Old Testament. It said in Proverbs 6.31, when a thief, when you catch a thief, he should repay seven times what he has taken from you. And any time you gave an animal to somebody that was blemished, you were supposed to restore back to that person. And God many times brought restitution or restoration to his people. When Jesus saw Zacchaeus, he said, you have cheated enough. You have defrauded people enough. Now you have to give back to them four times what you took away from them. Now the Bible tells us that the thief cometh not but to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But I have come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. So the thief in our lives is Satan. And he has a threefold ministry. To steal, to kill, and to destroy. Hallelujah. And God is saying that even when that happens, that thief, when he is caught must pay seven times. And so that same principle of Satan having to pay you back comes into play. Hallelujah. And when God gave the promise in Joel that I will restore to you, in the King James it says the palmer worm, the canker worm, and the caterpillar. But the New American Standard is saying the creeping locust, the swarming locust. So locusts are different. And they attack different areas of the vegetation. And in the same way, the locusts that come up into our lives affect different areas of our lives. Sometimes it affects us spiritually. 
And that is why David said and cried out to God in Psalm 51 verse 12 that restore unto me the joy of my salvation. Because sometimes you are walking with God, but that joy of your salvation or that joy that you used to have in serving him has waned and is gone. And you need a restoration in the realm of the spirit. Sometimes it's your zeal that has gone down. Due to various setbacks and things you have gone through. Your spirit man is affected. And yet he is a God that you can ask for restoration from. And that's why the psalmist, even then you know he had sinned. And let me say that some of the losses in our lives occur because of stubbornness. Like David. You know you have so many wives. And somebody's one wife bathing somewhere. It never ceases to amaze me about men. Somebody you don't know. You don't have a relationship with. From afar. You can just desire. It's unique. Because we women are wired for relationships. You know. And that is why God brought us. So that it's no good that man should be alone. He had animals and all that. But relationships. Somebody like you to relate to you had to be brought in the garden of Eden so that God would be satisfied with what he had done. And that's why I keep telling the brothers, the woman was not brought to be your pet like a dog that you put in a cage sometimes when you are going out, you know. She was not brought to be part of the fixture or the furniture in your house. She was brought to be a relational person. So if you are not ready to relate or to talk to her, you are not ready to marry. Amen. But in the midst of all that, David sinned against God. And when he sinned, you know, when, when, when you go wrong, something happens. And because of that, you know, the flow between he and God was not good. And he came and said, restore unto me the joy of my salvation. And in Psalm 23, which we all know, he says, the Lord is my shepherd. And among other things, he restoreth my soul. Your soul is your mind your intellect, your emotions, and all that sometimes go through a roller coaster experience. And sometimes you can even be heartbroken. You can be disappointed because of an expectation you had. You can be praying for something, you can't see it coming, and it all leads your soul into turmoil. And you can pray, oh, he restored my soul. Why would he have to restore something if it was not lost? It is a loss that brings restoration. Amen. And then in the book of Isaiah, God promises, he says that, I will heal you of all your wounds and I will restore your health to you. So even physically also, there's a restoration. So no matter where the locust has attacked you from, it may be a swarming locust, a creeping one, a flying one, the Lord, the restorer is in the house. Hallelujah. You are listening to Honey on My Lips with Lady Reverend Adelaide Howard Mills. Stay tuned in. Welcome back. And I think that Naomi's life is a case in point. You know, she went because there was a famine in Israel and she moved to a place where there was food with her husband. The Bible says it came to pass that she lost her husband. And then the Bible says that also, so she was with her two children, Marlon and Chilion. She lost her two children and she was in a foreign land. She was in the land of the Moabites. They did not have the same God. They did not eat the same food. They didn't even speak the same language. And she had come there because of a man. It wasn't her own vision. It was something that had led her there. And some of you, you have found your places, yourself in certain places. Not because you went there, but because you followed certain things and certain people. And you have come to a place where you did not plan for yourself. And let me just digress a little and say to the single woman that, you know, <laughs> you have all your ideas and all the things that, the dreams that you would like to see come to pass. But I want to say that at a certain point, whether you want to go to the land of Moab or not is not the question. Because at a point, you have to follow your husband. He says, I want to live in Las Vegas. You say, I want to live in Nevada. Or it's the same place. 
You say he wants to eat on the live on the east coast. He wants to live on the west coast. Now, which one should prevail? Of course, your husband should dwell with you according to knowledge. So he should discuss with you, and he should. But when it comes to say there's farming here, I think we should move to Moab. What are you going to do? And that is why you should choose somebody. You see, somebody asked me, hey, if I said there was one thing, one quality to look for in a man, what would you say? Just one question. I said, don't marry a fool. She said, oh, what does it mean? I said, because the fool says in his heart, there's no God. Anybody who does not fear God, don't marry a fool. That's all. Amen. So you must ask yourself, am I prepared to be led by this thing? This thing that's going to lead me. Am I ready? Amen. That's why they say for better, for worse. Because there's better and worse in the baskets. Amen. That's a little bonus. So she followed her husband, Elimelech, to this place. And you know, sometimes when trouble comes, it comes in torrents. And that's why the Bible says, when the enemy shall come in like a flood. The Spirit of God will raise up a standard against him. You don't have to go and console somebody who had lost her mother, lost her sister, lost two brothers. And the person asked me, is the Bible true? Lady Pastor, is the Bible true? What we believe, is it true? And I said, it's true. Lady Pastor, how do you know? I said, because I've never seen a more down-to-earth book than the Bible. So really, why are you saying that? I said, because the Bible records everything. If I were to write about Abraham, I wouldn't tell you he slept with his maid because he has to look good. If I was to tell you about Job, I wouldn't tell you that he had sufferings because God has to look good. But God put all those things in the Bible so that we will see that he deals in the affairs of ordinary men. And that is how he even comes through as God. Amen. So every human tragedy has happened already. And we find it in the Bible, not hidden somewhere. You see, it's, it's people who lie to you about who they really are so that you will accept them. And by God, he tells us as it is. And then he says that in it, I'll be with you. You understand? So as Naomi was going, she heard that the Lord had visited his people in Bethlehem. And she decided that she would go there. Now, after suffering such a loss, you have left your country for so long. Who will know you? Which friends will you have? You have so many questions. And even when you are depressed and in despair, you don't have the energy and the strength to take certain decisions that would take you into a, a certain, uh, in a certain direction. You don't have that zeal or the strength. That, you just don't have strength. When you are weary and you are, you are depressed, you don't have strength. But she was following God's movements. In spite of all that, the Bible said, when she heard... That the Lord had visited his people in Bethlehem. She decided that I'll get up and go. One thing I want you to know about restoration is that there can be no restoration without a loss. And many of us, we don't want to suffer any loss. How can you be a restored woman if you have not lost anything? You have to lose something. And then when you lose that thing, God will say, let me restore you have to lose. I'm not saying that Baal means you have to lose it. But I'm saying that what makes you a prime candidate for restoration is the fact that you have lost something. You have to lose the joy of your salvation before it can be restored. Your soul has to go through something before it can be restored. Your body and your wounds have to be there before he will say that I will heal your wounds and make you whole. Because if you don't have a loss, then you don't need a restorer. Hallelujah. And so we should not see a loss or plunder or whatever as a loss. But we should see it as priming us up to be the candidate for God to restore our lives. And what does restoration mean? Restoration means to put in a good previous situation. Restoration may mean indemnifying. Putting the person in a position he or she was in just before he suffered the loss. But our God is more than an insurance company. Amen. Because he gives you more. He says when the thief takes from you, he should give back seven times. When Zacchaeus takes, he should give it to you four times. So whatever you have lost, God is able to restore. Hallelujah. But it took something. When Naomi got up and decided, I'm going to this place. 
She had no one to encourage her. She had no one to say, oh, it's a good decision. Go with it. She had no one to even discuss with. The road to restoration can be a very lonely one. Hallelujah. And when it is lonely like that, it helps you to focus on God. Because you don't have any crutches. You don't have anything to lean against. You have only you and your God. And it's something that, that God does. When you look at David in 1 Samuel 30, we don't have time to read it. He had gone to fight. And when he came back, the city of Ziklag had been burnt. Their wives, their children, their livestock, everything had been taken. The Bible says they lifted up their voices and they wept. And then the people around him thought of stoning him. Because the Bible says of their distress. In that moment, David was alone. On the road to restoration, there are many, many lonely times. There are many alone times. There are times when the people you thought should sympathize with you or understand will rather seem to turn against you. Because grief makes us uh, irrational. When you are sad, you don't think properly. When you are sad, you, you blame everybody. You wallow in self-pity and you point fingers. That's when you don't want to see the church people. That's when you remember people's mistakes and faults. That's when because you are not right. So I've learned as a pastor, when you are going through that, just look beyond that and just love you and minister to you from that point of view. Hallelujah. But when David lifted up his voice and where the Bible says, and David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. There are many alone times that you have to pick yourself up. Something else cannot pick you up. Somebody else cannot pick you up. You have to pick yourself up on your own. Hallelujah. And when Naomi was making that journey, she was with Ruth, but she was alone. Ruth had lost her husband, but she had lost her husband and two children. They all had suffered losses, but they were in different dimensions. And just like everybody on the road to restoration, you may look so much at your grief or at what has happened that you may not see God's next move. But I thank God that in all the negativity that surrounded Naomi, she heard that the Lord had visited his people and she made a move in the right direction. Amen. Hallelujah. But she also said that it grieves me for your sake that the hand of the Lord has gone against me. On the road to restoration, when you suffer your loss, you are likely to have doubtful thoughts about God. And you are likely to feel that God has left you. You know, when the disciples were crossing from the other side, that's one of the, the best passages in scripture I love. When Jesus was crossing the sea with his disciples, the Bible says they administered to the multitudes. They didn't say they wanted to go anywhere. You came to say, let's cross over to the other side. So they got into the boat. The Bible says that there were many other little boats with them. And then there arose a storm. And in the midst of the storm, he was under the ship asleep on a pillow. And the Bible says that the, the, the sea began to fill the ship. It was at that time that people were panicking. And they woke him up and said, Carest not thou that we perish. Many times on your road to restoration, God seems as if he does not care. And he seems not to be there. But let me say that even if he's asleep, his presence is still there. The fact that he's asleep does not mean he's not with you. He's asleep, but his presence, his being, and the presence of the Lord is enough. Amen. Hallelujah. Oh, oh. So Naomi said, you know, the hand of the Lord has gone against me. The hand of the Lord has afflicted me. It grieves me for your sake. That God has treated me in this way. No matter how great a saint is, everybody comes to a place where you don't have answers. Everybody comes to a place where you have conclusions, but you don't have the why of the conclusions. And all that are junctions on your road to restoration. But in spite of all this, she didn't stop. She still followed through with her journey to go to the place where she had heard that God had visited his people. And then as she approached the place, the women, not the men, said, Is this Naomi? Why do you think they said that? 
she looked very different. Her experiences had affected her and had affected even how she looked. And many times, when you suffer a loss, you lose your very identity. You forget that even you are a child of God. You forget that he has purchased you with his blood. Your identity is now found in what you go through, but not what God has said that you are. Say, is this Naomi? It's not the men. It's the women who gossip. It's the women who make remarks. It's the women who should comfort you, who stand aside or stand aloof and rather point to your problem. Hey, but what is happening? Why is she this? I hear that that. If you see Naomi and she does not look like the Naomi you think she should be, why don't you go and meet her and say, oh, Naomi, I'm so glad. What can I do for you? But you stand up and say, is this Naomi? Hey, is this not the one who was Mrs. Elimelech? Is she not the one who prospered in that land? Is she not the one hey, where I had two children? And I'm sure they had heads. So is this Naomi? We use our tongues not to comfort, but to tear down each other. Amen. And if you are a Naomi, you can easily turn around. Because on the road to restoration, you will be embarrassed. On the road to restoration, you will lose your dignity. On the road to restoration, you will look like nothing sometimes because of what you have been through. But if you are going to stay there, God can never... And that is even what will discourage you from going to that land where the people knew you. You know, some of you are here, you feel that like you can't come to Ghana because when I come, I must come bearing gifts. <laughs> and the way I'm broke is not going to work. But I don't think that Ghana is like that anymore. It used to be like that. But now everything is there. And I think very few people are expecting anything from you. We just want your company. So come. But don't think that you have to get this, get that. And when I come, they'll say, hey, is that her? She doesn't look like she's coming from America. <laughs> Amen. Is that Naomi? And what she said was, call me not Naomi. Naomi means pleasantness. She said, don't call me pleasantness. Call me Mara. And Mara means bitterness. So call me Mara. For the hand of the Lord has gone against me. She was now getting to the place where she was changing her name to reflect her situation. It's like, oh, I've had so many bitter experiences. So that's how I see myself. And the world also slaps that on you. You know, when you even make a mistake... The world doesn't give you a second chance. When you are feeling the first day, have you been convicted of any crime? And once that label, ex-convict is on you, you cannot run for presidency. You cannot be a senator. You cannot be a member of parliament. You cannot be so many things. But I thank God that as for him, he employs you even when you are a convict many times over. Because he's not like man. Every time I see those words, you know, the visa forms and all that. Have you been convicted of any crime? Have you been uh, involved in terrorism? Now it is that's the latest one. My soul. If, and if you answer yes to this, then, then go to the, an officer whenever when you arrive. You know? But that's not the kind of God we serve. So Naomi said, don't call me Naomi. Don't call me pleasantness. Call me Mara. She had now begin, begun to mirror what the people were saying about her. And that is what happens when you suffer a loss. But in the midst of it, you still have to push on. Push on. Many women take identities not their own. Their husbands mistreat them and 100% they feel that it's their problem. It's me. Hallelujah. It's good to own up to what you have done, but much of it is not you. Amen. Every problem has two sides. A woman is raped and she cries like Tama. And she feels guilty. And she doesn't want to see it. She suffers the shame. But the rapist is moving around freely. There's no problem. Call me not Naomi. Call me Mara. For the hand of the Lord has gone against me. David also had his moment. The Bible says in 1 Samuel 30, he lifted up his voice. Men, 
and they wept. That's why I'm surprised when the men say they've made it. <laughs> we are humble enough to know that we are making it by the grace of God. It's a day-to-day walk. Amen. He lifted up his voice and wept. And then he asked God, Shall I pursue them? And God said, Pursue, overtake, and recover all. But he didn't make an emotional decision. He made a spiritual decision. And on the road to restoration, you should guard against making emotional decisions. Because emotional decisions are likely to turn you off God's word. And many women are very emotional. So you make emotional uh, 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 decisions. Maybe your relationship, you are, you are losing something in terms of closeness, in terms of what your expectation was, you know. That's not what you are seeing. And instead of using spiritual things to make spiritual decisions, you make very, very carnal and emotional decisions. Jesus is not Lord, your emotions are Lord. The word of God is not your light, your emotions are your light. A lamp unto your feet and a light unto your path are your emotions and how you feel. Like first, I felt this way, so I just manifest. But as Christians, we are supposed to be spirit-controlled women. Amen. Because of my temperament, I did spirit-controlled temperament. Everything must be spirit-controlled. Hallelujah. So she said, call me not Naomi, but call me Mara. For the hand of the Lord has gone against me. You will lose your dignity. You will lose your respect from people. Jesus himself suffered a lot of loss. They pointed to you and said, Are you not Joseph's son? Loss of dignity, loss of self-respect. and So many losses that he suffered. And the final one was the loss of his life. Amen. Loss of his life such that even the disciples didn't want to associate with him. On that road, there will be many times of being alone. But those alone times are divine times. I've learned in my life that that's how God gets my attention. The alone times. And instead of sitting and wallowing in self-pity, hey, only me. That's the time to say, God, what are you trying to get my attention for? What are you trying to tell me? What are you trying to teach me? And those are the times when you get closer to God. And you begin to appreciate him more. Hallelujah. Amen. Call me, not Naomi. But call me Mara. For the hand of the Lord has gone against me. Amen. Ruth chapter 4. Ruth chapter 4 verse 9. And Boaz said to the elders and all the people, You are witnesses today that I have bought from the hand of Naomi all that belonged to Elimelech and all that belonged to Chilion and Marlon. Moreover, I have acquired Ruth the Moabitess, the widow of Marlon, verse 10, to be my wife in order to raise up the name of the deceased on his inheritance so that the name of the deceased may not be cut off from his brothers or from the court of his birthplace. You are witnesses today. And all the people who were in the court and the elders said, We are witnesses. May the Lord make the woman who is coming into your home like Rachel and Leah, both of whom built the house of Israel. And may you achieve wealth in Ephrathah and become famous in Bethlehem. Moreover, may your house be the li- like the house of Perez, whom Tamar bore to Judah. Through the offspring which the Lord shall give you by this young woman. So Boaz took Ruth and she became his wife. And he went into her and the Lord enabled her to conceive. And she gave birth to a son. Then the woman said, who? The woman. Then the woman said, blessed be is the Lord who has not left you without a redeemer today. And may his name become famous in Israel. May he also be to you a restorer of life. And a sustainer of your old age. For your daughter-in-law who loves you. And is better to you than seven sons. Has given birth to him. Then Naomi took the child and laid him in her lap. And became his nurse. And the neighbor women. hmm, Gave him a name saying. A son has been born to Naomi. So they named him Obed. He is the father of Jesse. The father of David. Now these are the generations of Perez. To Perez was born Hezron. And then the last verse, and to Obed was born Jesse, and to Jesse, David. It is said that women are their own worst enemies. If a woman's marriage is failing, it is often due to another woman just like herself. If she is being taken through terrible widowhood rights, it is her sisters-in-law and mother-in-law. If she is not moving forward, it is due to another lady boss or lady subordinate. 
but it doesn't have to be that way. When women decide to be each other's keeper, nothing can stop them from birthing their God-given desires. How do we achieve this? In this down-to-earth message, the things working on us that make it difficult for women to support each other as a great army, to stand and fight for the extension of God's kingdom, is revealed on a woman-to-woman basis. Woman-to-woman, let's talk about our issues and get delivered. This and other Holy Ghost-filled messages through Lady Reverend Adelaide Howard Mills can be purchased from the Vision Bookshop at the Kodesh Lighthouse Chapel International, North Kanishi, or online at www.adelaide-hewardmills.org. Welcome back. Hallelujah. The same women. And I think most of them, they just stand aside and give comments. You see, this thing has happened to commentators of life. She doesn't have this. She doesn't have that. And did you know that that? I think that is when you don't have anything to do. And you don't have a very productive life. That's when you have time to uh, uh, be commenting. And most commentators cannot play soccer. But they are talking. He should have done this. He should have done that. And some of us will even be playing during the world match. You know, world cup. At a point I decided that this thing, the emotions involved are too much. So I said, you know, once they were watching in church, I said, I won't watch. I will go home. So when I was, I told somebody, call me and let me know the scores. And when they told me, then I watched. So since then, that's the way I watch. I watch after. If they did well, then I will watch it. But the tension, hmm, what should we do, you know? So this last African match, when Ghana was playing, I went to Bishop Saki's house. And uh, he was there with Bishop Adi and I said, this match will lose. Say, hey, get out of the room. Why you say so? We'll lose, crap. And then the person played and it was some way it wasn't going. I said, I told you, shall we carry you out of the room? Shall we carry you out? In the end, I went to sit outside. But it's easy to comment. It's easy to be a commentator. But to play is not easy. Amen. And this is how these women were. Now, Naomi did not know the way God was going to restore. And if God showed you the way he was going to restore, then he won't be God. He'll be a human being like you. But he has to remain sovereign. And he has to remain God. He has to be given his place as God in your life. And that's what Christians cannot handle. You know, we say, name it, claim it, take it. It's true. But God is not instant tea, instant coffee. And one of the highest levels of faith is to trust God even when you don't understand. It's higher than I, I command and it is done. When you command and it's not done. No, I was telling somebody, she said, I'm just going to do this surgery to have a child. And she said, Mommy, I just want you to pray with me that it will be so. I said, I agree. I'll pray with you that it will be so. But you have done this procedure many times. Why don't you have the spirit of the Hebrew boys? That our God will answer. But even if he does not answer, I will still serve him. That attitude will help you go through. Hallelujah. So on the road to restoration, you need a miracle. Some of us feel we need answers. But you need a miracle. You see, I have learned that sometimes even emotional pain, only God can heal it. You cannot use yourself to, you, but it is a prayer topic you can pray. Lord, this thing is painful. Heal it. I have counseled countless women. And sometimes the issues, hey, complex and painful. And even when it's not me, I cry buckets. And then I wonder that the person. But every time I'm praying with them, I say, oh God. You whose finger can touch places that nobody can touch. Because even if a surgeon opens, it's not a physical thing. It is a wound. It's like a knife. It's like a dagger. But God is able to heal. And I see many people find their lives again. Because God is faithful. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. What was I saying before I got to that? Restoration demands a miracle. And we are all used to depending on our strength. If I pray, I cast out three demons. I fast. All those things are good. But it takes a miracle from God. You can't plan everything. You can't secure everything. But we have become like the world. Everything is by might and by power. But the Bible says it's not by might. It's not by power. It's by my spirit. Lord, give me five ways in which you will do it. And even when we pray, we start to think, uh, maybe he will send somebody to give me. Or maybe this man is the one who... We are looking for the avenues in which we think he would work. 
And that is human thinking, but he is God. So Naomi could not have planned that as I'm going, Ruth will go into the field. As she goes into the field, she will meet a man. As she meets the man, the man will want to marry her. No way. No way. There's a sovereign God who is in charge. And who is in control. And he is the one who is the restorer. He is the one who has made the promise. And he is the one who can back his promise with his resources. You don't have enough resources to meet the things that you say you will do. Amen. What the canker worm, the palmer worm, the caterpillar have destroyed. And the locusts, the Lord says, I will restore. But we want to tell him, let's do it together. You see, show me so that I help you out. God does not need your help. He can work on his own. Amen. Amen. And so all the stories that Ruth goes to a place to glean, not knowing that her story about how she left her mother-in-law has so many things. You see, if I were to ask you, you can't bring the things to play. Okay, Ruth, come. Uh, Okay, send this one to talk to Boaz. You can't orchestrate it. It is only God who can orchestrate that. And then the women come and say, at the marriage, when the Boaz, the rich man, is about to marry Ruth, the woman said to Naomi, Blessed is the Lord who has not left you without a Redeemer. I want to tell you, God has not left you without a Redeemer. When Job went through all that, he said, I know that my Redeemer liveth. Whether I feel it, whether I see it, whether circumstantially it doesn't look so, I just know he lives. How he works, what he works, what he does, I can't answer. But I just know that I have not been left without a redeemer. Amen. And may his name become famous in Israel. The same name that was now a disgrace. Now the same women. You see, that's why you shouldn't allow human beings to dictate to you what you should do, how you should behave. Uh, whether you don't, we, 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 we take our, ourselves to human beings to be our standards board. So the person gives a stand and says, you, you don't reach. You, you are mediocre. You, you are this. Why do they think that about me? They don't like me. And they, but they are men. Me, mortal men. But when God sets a standard for you, no one else can do anything about it. Hallelujah. May his name become famous in Israel. May he also be to you a restorer of life. She lost lives. And these people are saying, may he be to you. Because they could see that that's what God had done. A restorer of life. The word restorer was used. Restoration is a miracle. It comes from the hand of God. It's the power of God that brings restoration. May he be a restorer to you. And a sustainer of your old age. (laughs) For your daughter-in-law who loves you. And it's better than seven sons. She lost two sons. Now this daughter-in-law is better than seven. Not better than two. Not even better than four. But better than seven. When a thief takes something for you, let it pay seven times. But this daughter-in-law is better than seven. That is God. Hallelujah. Better than seven. That is God. Hmm. It's better to you than seven sons has given birth to him. Then Naomi took the child and laid him in her lap and became his nurse. She said, if I was even to find a husband tonight, will I give birth so that you will marry that husband? But she has become a mother. Later in her old age, time never runs out for God. A thousand years are in his sight one day. And one day as a thousand years. That's the kind of God we serve. Hallelujah! Naomi took the child and laid him in her lap and became his nurse. And the neighbor women are now giving names. The people who gave you another name is this Naomi. And then precipitated her to say, call me not Naomi, call me uh, Mara. Now, these same women have come to bring a name. And the neighbor women gave him a name saying, a son has been born to Naomi. So they named him Obed. (laughs) He's the father of Jesse. The father of David. When people see what the Lord has done, 
Now they begin to even bless you further. So they name the child Obed. He's the father of Jesse, the father of David. Now I want to say that when God leads you on restoration, you see, when we read the Bible stories, it follows verse after verse. So you think, oh, Naomi just went, and then in a week, they met Boaz, and within the next two weeks, then they got married because of the way the Bible is. But life does not happen like that. Amen. When Naomi was there, her husband died. The Bible says it in one verse. And then the next verse, and after a while, it came to pass that her two children also died. It's not like that. So you think that the husband died, and then maybe on Monday, the two children also died. And then my Bible says that when they had dwelt in the land for 10 years with her children, after that, the children also died. Restoration takes time. Sometimes it's quick like that, and sometimes it's a process. And sometimes it is gradual. You have to allow God to choose which way he wants to restore. Because he's a sovereign God. When Jesus died, three days he was resurrected. That's restoration. His life was taken. It was restored to him in three days. And then, So there are sudden miracles. And then there are also gradual. Some miracles take years. But the last point I want to make is that your restoration is not about you. Naomi was restored all right, but it was for the furtherance of God's kingdom. And many times these days, Christians think that everything is about them. Bless me, bless me, bless me. My name is Jimmy. Give me, give me, give me. My name is Jimmy Jemima. <laughs> Amen. And we are so self-centered. So everything is about ourselves. My job, my happiness, my peace, my days, my children, my... But, but... But, but God is a, a kingdom-oriented God. He's not a, a person-oriented. And the only reason why he gets involved in us as people is so that he can use us for the extension of his kingdom. So the reason why he's even restoring to Naomi is not so that she'll just feel good and the woman will see that, you know, she really has a cool God and, and, and the neighbors will really see that. But it was so that the lineage of the Messiah will not be tampered with. Hallelujah. Even reading the book of Esther again this time made me see that Esther's marriage was not about her. But often we think the marriage also, you know, what do I like? We are going shopping. What do I like? Tall, dark, handsome, you know, man, when he speaks with a deep voice and he will do this, you are shopping, isn't it? And you want somebody who will care for me. When I said, hey, what, what kind of person would you like to marry? Oh, Lady Pastor, a caring man. Somebody who is my friend. So we can love together. So we can have company. So our house will be peaceful. So I won't be lonely. You have all the reasons. They are good reasons, but your marriage is not about you. <laughs> Amen. Because when I look at Esther, she thought that, but the guys go for the beauty pageant. And by the way, some people say, Esther went for beauty pageant, so we can all go. It was to choose a wife, not to choose Miss America. Okay? So, you, you've gone, of course, in the first place. Amen, ladies. So then when she went into the palace, and then the king was now saying, you know, Esther, I love you. She had forgotten. She was out of touch with the Jews. That's why Mordecai was her clothes. She looked at her and asked him, what exactly is happening? I don't understand. What? And many of us, when the Lord prospers us, we are totally detached. The only reason why you are in a charismatic church today is because of the affliction you have seen. If not, you would have been the main critic pointing at these people, these churches that have come. This, but God has used affliction to humble you. And here you are. Amen. But Mordecai said, Think not that if you don't do it, deliverance will not arise from somewhere else. I've come to see that it's a privilege for God to ask you to do something. It's a privilege for God to ask you for something because he can ask. The people on the earth are a lot. He could have chosen anybody, but he chose to ask you. And he said that, who knows if you have come to the kingdom for such a time. This crucial time is not the marriage, it's not the wedding, it's that God's Jewish nation will be preserved. But you are not seeing that. And I see that everybody in the Bible, God has a bigger purpose than your fork, your knife, your light, your happiness, your joy. Your... But we have become so carnal. 
so worldly that we cannot see beyond. But restoration is so that you will restore others. Restoration is so that you will be a channel of life to others. Restoration is so that his kingdom may come. I have learned myself now. You see, at first I thought that when I was marrying, I was really marrying for myself. You know, happiness, joy, all the things I told you. But now as the years go by, I watch healing Jesus. This marriage is not for me. It's not about me. It's about his kingdom. Hallelujah. God wants me to be happy. He wants me to have joy. But when I look, I say no. Because when I look at healing Jesus, I say, oh, the people who are being born again, the people who are being saved, well, if that's what it has to take me to give up so that other people will hear the gospel and be preached to, then your will be done. Hallelujah. So it's not about you. Even the money you earn is not about you. Your being in America now is not about you. The person you marry is not about you. It's so that he may establish his purpose and his own covenant. Hallelujah. And it's time to look and say, God, what is your purpose? Why did you take me through the school? Why did I meet this pastor? Why did I meet this person? What, what was God doing? Even sometimes, you don't even have to understand. But obedience alone, like Naomi, will bring you into his purpose. I pray that the Lord will cause you to be a restored woman. Everything that has been lost, your dignity, your self-esteem, your relationships, your hopes, your expectations, the things that God said concerning you that seem to have been lost. Sometimes even your reputation. Sometimes you suffer shame. Somebody just does something and then you just suffer shame. In the midst of it all, the Lord has promised to restore. I just want to read the last verse and I pray that you will make it your prayer. Isaiah chapter 60. Let's read from 14. And the sons of those who afflicted you will come bowing to you. And all those who despise you will bow themselves at the soles of your feet. And they will call you the city of the Lord, the Zion of the Holy One of Israel. Whereas you have been forsaken and hated with no one passing through, I will make you an everlasting pride. A joy from generation to generation. You will also suck the milk of nations and will suck the breast of kings. Then you will know that I, the Lord, am your Savior and your Redeemer, the Mighty One of Jacob. Verse 17. Instead of bronze, I will bring gold. Instead of iron, I will bring silver. And instead of wood, bronze. And instead of stones, iron. I will make peace your administrators and righteousness your overseers. Now I just want us to look at verse 17. God is saying that instead of stone, I'll give you iron. You see, restoration is sometimes from one level to another. And it may not be, it may be periodic, but you'll get there. He said, instead of stone, I'll give you iron. And when you get to iron, instead of iron, I'll give you silver. Amen. And then, when it comes to the others, I say, instead of wood, I'll give you bronze. And instead of bronze, I'll give you gold. So God is a progressive God. But some of us, as now we get to bronze, say, hey, I found it. You have not found it. Recovery takes time. Wholeness takes time. Fullness and restoration takes time. You have need of patience. So that after you have done the will of God, you may inherit the promises. Instead of stones, may he give you iron. And instead of iron, may he give you silver. Instead of wood, may he give you bronze. And in the place of bronze, may he give you gold for the extension of his kingdom. And God bless you. I want us to just pray. And I want you to ask God to touch you wherever you feel his touch is needed. Because you have heard his word tonight. David said, restore unto me the joy of my salvation. I sense some of us here have lost our joy in our walk with God. Some of us are hovering between the world and here. We are not sure. It's a time to make a firm commitment and decision to go all out. 
Like Naomi, you may be alone. You may hear that the Lord has visited his people. It's time to make a move and to be different. Restore unto me the joy of my salvation. Maybe it's mentally or emotionally. He says, I will restore your soul. He restoreth my soul. The Lord is my shepherd. One of the things that the good shepherd does is that he restores your soul. Oh, I don't know what your history is. I don't know what has been broken. Some of it even it dates back to years. Oh, but God is a restorer. In the place of stone, he will give you iron. In the place of iron, he will give you silver. That's the kind of God we serve. He said, I'll heal all your wounds. And those, you, though you were afflicted, forsaken, nobody was passing through you. I'll make you a pride of the nations. That's the kind of God we serve. I just want you to talk to him. A minute from the bottom of it. I don't think that was just something we do at the end of the service. Open your mouth and speak to him. He says, whilst you are speaking, I'll hear. And whilst you are praying, I'll answer. That's the kind of God we serve. It was great having you today. To find out more about the resources available by Adelaide Heward Mills, please visit the Vision Bookshop at the Kodesh, North Kaneshi. Or meet her on Facebook at Reverend Mrs. Adelaide Heward Mills. For prayer and counseling, please call 0243-187-900. You can also drop us an email at honeyonmylips at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. Until next time, God richly bless you.